This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi guys, I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Michael Hamflet from What Culture. Double or Nothing 2022 has just finished, and we are here to tell you what went down a lot. 13 nice. matches in total. Nice. Uh, overall, what did you make of this show? And uh, I hate to always bring it back to this straight away, Michael Hamlet, but the length of it in particular. Do you know what? I'm going to be kind on this particular night, because I think this was a good show that trended great at points. The highs were so, so high. Yes, it was long. Yes, I would still say it was too long. Absolutely. But... The structuring of things getting great towards the end was far more pleasing than yeah. having loads and loads and loads of highs and then having that dip that you really struggle to dig yourself out of, yeah. as has been the case on these AW shows. I've got to say, when we got like eight matches in or whatever, mm-hmm. we were watching the American Top Team match, and I was like, oh my God, we've still got another, what, five matches to go, then yeah. the big matches, I'm already exhausted here. I realise, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you, you Brits say that, but it's, you know, it's not just about mm-hmm. international audiences, it's about American audiences. I know this show went past midnight in yeah. certain states in America, but having said that, despite me there going, oh, bloody hell, it's three o'clock in the morning here or whatever, mm-hmm. by the time we got past the sort of midway point, I completely agree that this show rapidly improved when I was like, oh, I'm really flagging. I need something here. I think yeah. a lot of the matches delivered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's start right at the beginning of the show. Let's start off on the buy-in with Hookhausen versus Tony and Mark Sterling. I thought this was the ideal welcome to AEW, welcome to Double or Nothing match. Yeah, I too loved this match when it took place on Dynamite last Wednesday. I think <laughs> that was some time ago. And that was really great, really great. Um, Perfect use of Hook and Danhausen, as we kind of projected, really. Danhausen not getting any more than he needed, mm-hmm. but getting the big moment. Thanks yeah, to Hook. Getting it nice to see Hook finally just about acknowledging Danhausen's mere existence. That was enough, mm. you know? Yeah, and uh, yeah, Danhausen got the pinfall victory for them, fought on the chest and everything. <laughs> the cocky redemption story. For Shout him. out to Mark Sterling for that, that, that gear, with yeah. that question. Amazing. Uh, this show started off terribly, let's be perfectly honest. Uh, no one wanted to see it, but unfortunately, uh, Pig- uh, Wardlow uh, was victorious in the match against MJF. He didn't no-show, he didn't fly out of the arena, no. he did the job, and, uh, and then he was led away on a stretcher with... Oxygen being fed into his nose, I think. <laughs> um, but yes, this was uh, the redemption of Wardlow and his final release from this contract. Uh, talk about it from an unbiased perspective. Yeah, from an unbiased perspective, this is absolutely exceptional stuff. Um, everything I think everybody wanted in terms of the catharsis of Wardlow getting the big win, getting the big moment. MJF dragged out just right, I think, the amount of times early doors he tried to dodge taking anything from the big man, but then when he took it, he took it ten times. Uh, the Symphony of Power Worms was at its most symphonic, I guess. Uh, Too MJ- overkill for me. <laughs> MJF 
just he didn't just eat and learn to like the taste of it, which is indeed what he could do if he was to ever change employers. But he ate ten times <laughs> the amount that anybody could ever be reasonably asked to take. There was no Sean Spears. There was no funny business of any kind, actually. Well, he took the ring off him. He was just making sure it's, he was just putting his ring on, and apparently that was going to be cheating. That was a particular nice detail, actually, of MJF putting the ring on, believing that he got himself out of trouble in a building full of people <laughs> with the referee and Wardlow literally over his shoulder. <laughs> this was the perfect sort of clownish way to take the beating that he was due. As you say, for all the drama that went coming in, there was very little coming out. Yeah. You know, it was everything you would have projected had none of that drama existed, which makes you wonder how much of that drama existed all along. I guess all of that will come out in the wash as the days play out. But certainly, um, I don't know, bought a lot of extra hype for the pay-per-view at the key moment, didn't it? Who knows? Was it a shoot? Was it a work? Yeah. I don't like to ask you questions like that because then you labour on it being a work for several years after yeah. the fact. Yeah. Wednesday may tell us more. Who Indeed. Knows? I saw a great tweet, I can't remember who it was by, I do apologise, that said, uh, maybe this show's going on so long because uh, Tony Khan, if the show never ends, doesn't have to answer a question about MJF. So, <laughs> oh, there God. you go. Yeah, shout out, by the way, we are obviously part of the rest of the media here in Newcastle England, suffering the time difference, but shout out also to those now attending the media scrum. <laughs> five and a half hour show. That, uh, some of them, not all of them, some of them will be expected to try and ask the odd tough question and maybe Tony Carr's tactic was, they're just going to be too tired. Yeah. They're going to be falling asleep at the laptops. <laughs> uh, that was followed by the Young Bucks versus the Hardys and a shock win, some might say, mm -hmm. for the Hardys. Um... You know, it was a long match, and uh, we were hoping that the Young Bucks could pull something out of the Hardys. I thought they did a good job. Um, there were some rough bumps in there throughout. Uh, but, but how did you see this one uh, playing out, and, uh, and I suppose, presumably, where they go from here? Yeah, honestly, longer than it needed to be, which kind of became the story of the match, to be honest. There was a couple of... There was a couple of really great moments where the Young Bucks seemed to luxuriate in just how finished the Hardys appeared to be. <laughs> the Superkick party was, I don't know, one, one of them cult parties where they all go to top themselves and call it a day because it just felt cruel. Didn't yes. it? Like the, the particular violence of the Superkicks on both Hardys as they stood there, old legends on their knees just trying to absorb the damage of the, the literal Young Bucks that had kind of replaced them. It was all very artistic in places, but I don't think we needed this to be quite as fleshy and flabby as it was. Um, Brandon Cutler took some of the bumps oh. of the match, uh, which was nice to see. I don't know. I don't know. This one, maybe, in one sense, I think this warrants a rewatch out of context yeah. of the show. But on the other, I don't particularly want to subject myself to it again. I don't know whether it was something to do with Jeff Hardy's... I don't know whether he was a bit off or whether his boot mm. was affected. I don't, I don't know. It just wasn't all there. But in the end, they've got the victory. Swanton Bomb, you know. Uh, Jeff Hardy going back to all the that. crowd to do the odds. Oh, it's what he did at the house show. How's his head and all that. Yeah, the point about the Young Bucks losing becomes more important maybe as the show yeah. goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, it was followed by the TBS Championship match, Jay Cargill versus Anna Jay. Uh, this wasn't great, this match, let's be perfectly honest here. They just, just didn't seem to gel very well together. But I suppose all the main thing that people are going to be talking about afterwards is less about the match in which Jay Cargill retained the TBS Championship and more about the post-match where we got Stokely Hathaway and Athena mm. now being all elite. Alongside, I should have mentioned, Wardlow got the whole uh, Wardlow is all elite did, thing yes. uh, yeah. after oh, his nice. match. But yes... Um, just just didn't seem to gel this match whatsoever. A mess. No, wasn't great. And in truth, as much as Stokely Hathaway coming out was this great rewarding moment where this clown smart Mark Sterling that was obviously not seeing Jade Cargill right, he was presented as Almost such. Almost cost her. Yeah, yeah, had the neck brace on, nearly cost the belt, all that sort of stuff. 
Um, his seeing him on screen was great. Seeing Athena come out with Chris Statlander, who was also there mm-hmm. to support um, Anna Jay, it felt great. But this layout of what they wanted, this big visual of the new cons, the new arrivals, the new people that could help sort of even the sides against the baddies, almost reminded you that the match itself was quite redundant. Anna Jay seemed absolutely fine that she'd lost yes. this match because Athena was here. And then Athena felt absolutely fine and didn't do anything following the debut. So it was all, the visuals were great, but the rest of it, I don't know, a bit fake feeling. I wanted an eclipse out of Athena's yeah. debut. I wanted like Stokely to be even more involved than he was in this brief little pull apart. I wanted Anna Jay to be a bit annoyed that she'd just lost in a you know title match. It was all just... Yeah, it looked nice. The camera's got their moment, but I'm not sure any of this. Like, I want to again. I want to see this a bit more of this on Dynamite. I want to see Athena's arrival be trumpeted a bit more with something physical. Yes, exactly. Uh, I should mention as well because I'm going to definitely forget it later on. Roosh also uh, became yeah. All Elite, uh, aligning himself with Andrade and whatever the Andrade family office is going to be calling themselves he going forward. Name. He hates that name. Oh, he's not happy about all that. But yeah, hell of an addition to uh, AEW, that. Uh, then we got the six-man. It was Death Triangle versus the House of Legends. And the payoff to a six-month storyline. Six, look, I don't want to spill some tea here. <laughs> but I think it's been safe to say that we've all been uh, a little bit shattered over the Julia Hart storyline. We've all been a bit tired out. We've all been a bit flagging with this thing, especially a few weeks ago when they rounded on her and, you know, it looked like she couldn't do it and they were going to attack her. So as much as I like this match, I have a feeling I didn't love it as much as some other people might have done. I think, like, it was this... Andy really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, this, there was a, there was a lot to love. Of course, these were going to deliver this spectacular spot fest. I felt like it was a little bit clunkier and a little bit disjointed in places. There seemed to be a bit of hesitation. I'm definitely going to rewatch it. It's certainly one of the matches that yes. warrants a second bite. And when it was hot, it was red hot. Um, great to see them doing exactly what you imagine they could do. Pack in particular towards the end and Malachi Black sort of surviving the onslaught as he did when the three <laughs> rounded on him and kind of getting through it by just basically allowing them to batter him while he stuck at it, knowing, I guess, that at some point, I was going to use my magic powers to turn the lights off and Julia's... Particularly if you kick me in the dig. If you put me in the right place, I will deploy Julia with a toxic juice. Um, yeah, Pat yeah. kicked him in the dick. <laughs> and then... Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. i got magic powers, but I've got a penis and testicles like everybody else. <laughs> my magic powers can't protect me from that. Uh, and then when Pac went up top to hit the leg arrow, um, there Julia Hart was to miss him... And officially become a part of the House of Black. We got there. That long last, we got there. And what you know? <laughs> but there's more questions than answers, Excalibur. Because what do the Varsity Bonds think of this? Like they weren't there oh, for no. it. Like we're going to now have to go back to Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman for yet another go of that okay. because we didn't get to see them acknowledge on screen. Uh, let's talk about the Owen Hart Cup. Mm. Um, concluded by a lovely speech by Martha Hart. I want to lead with yeah, that. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, and the winners. Men's Owen Hart Cup Foundation Tournament, I should call it, uh, winner is Adam Cole, baby. And Britt Baker won the women's tournament. Uh, Britt Baker using a finish you pointed out from an, an old uh, Hart versus Hart match. Yeah, it was quite. Uh, it was just about a take on the victory roll finish from Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 10. Ruby Soho kind of like went forward in the victory roll. Britt Baker pulled it back and reversed it and then put her hands down place, like, as Owen did to Brett mm-hmm. back at WrestleMania 10. Nice matches. More nice than they were good. I think it's safe to say both. And they both yeah, had Adam, their Adam moments. Cole's shenanigan finish with Bobby Fish didn't sit well with me. No, they kind of put that one first, I think, to make you forget. Because when he came out in the Owen Hart t-shirt for the presentation at the end, it was almost it's all like two baby faces. Like, we kind of joked that they would take the trophy home to the 
the core Baker mantelpiece. Yes. But the heels. So like Break that bloody mantelpiece as well. It's huge. The villainy was kind of forgotten because the nice moment... Nice belts, though. Lush belts. The moment was too nice. They were very... They were like stampede-influenced belts in pink and black with pictures of Owen on the side. They couldn't have been any nicer. Go online and have a look at some of the stampede titles to get an idea of what we're talking about. Um, squared off lovely things. Martha, clearly emotional, clearly in the moment, exactly as she's supposed to be. Maybe the highlight of the whole thing. Two pretty good matches, two very nice moments and presentations, but uh, Michael Ruckus' awesome Owen music playing. As the champions held their belts aloft, your eyes were more distracted by Martha dancing off down the aisle <laughs> to the music that, of course, obviously mirrored the late, great Owen, her husband's music as she danced. She'd obviously had a wonderful night. The feeling was right, even if the matches themselves weren't anything particularly to write home about. No, exactly. Uh, and that's the main thing. As you said, you led with it. That was the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about a six-person mixed tag match then. Uh, we did not have high hopes going into it because, well, there was no one to cheer for, if I'm perfectly honest. It was uh, Men of the Year, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page with Page Van Zant uh, versus criminals. Uh, people who'd broken into American Top Team and stolen titles for no apparent bloody reason. Sammy Guevara, Take Conti and Frankie Kazarian. That team... Fell to pieces, then sort of reunited to try and win the match anyway, and then ended up losing. And now Scorpio Sky is going to defend the TNT Championship against Dante Martin, it seems. But we'll talk about that another time. This was just a personification of what we worried about for months. Yeah, the problems with the angle were writ large within the match themselves. You had fundamentally a bunch of heels. Uh, Kazarian decided to be the babyface when push came to shove and pick nobody because why would he like anybody in his life at this point that are in this arrangement of people and then as you say kind of remembered hang on this is where I need to get the winner's share of the purse so I have to get back in the match and well, then and I can't fight for the DNT title again yeah uh, that's it yeah and then it wasn't really about him when push came to shove because it was all about Sammy Guevara booting his own girlfriend's head off for the big dramatic finish and all of that sort of that stuff that got a great reaction did get that. a huge, huge bop in the building because you know Guevara and Ty Conti have made themselves so detestable they haven't leaned in as much as possible that that kind of thing was coming that kind of reaction was coming uh, the men of the year later on in the, the promo afterwards, which I don't think there's going to be room to cover anywhere else, were thrilled to be kind of done with Sammy Guevara, <laughs> Ty Conti and Kaz. And I kind of sense that everybody watching was too. I just want to say as well, a bit of content, you know, sinking up here. I wouldn't necessarily recommend going and watching an entire live stream of pay Well, let's give it a try if you want. But use that little YouTube preview gimmick if you want to at whatculture.com's YouTube channel uh, to find uh, Wilborn attempting to neck a full pot of jelly while this match was on. Some may call it a dirty protest to the match itself, <laughs> but just if you wonder why some of our analysis is maybe laboured and yeah. you know, remember what happened, it was because we were watching him trying to suck down a jelly. We, 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 we picked it, business picked up at that point, I think it's fair to say. Our business picked up, like in terms of what culture, because we might have passed out watching this pay-per-view otherwise. Yes. But the jelly was the high. Uh, and I think, to be fair, in the building as well, the crowd seemed to stay, from what we could hear from the stream, the crowd seemed to stay yeah. hot for the duration of the night. And if nothing else... This match was probably an opportunity for them to, I don't know, take a step back, right, slap back in the middle, and then rev themselves. Yeah, exactly. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. 
LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Uh, and I'll hold my hands up. What came next was Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen, a match that when it got announced after Rampage, I was like, why have you bloody put that on the pay-per-view mm. when there's already 12 matches, 11 matches on the main card? But these two were great together. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great on an episode of Dynamite as well. Mm. But, um, yeah, they beat the crap out of each other and then Kyle O'Reilly in the end just PK'd <laughs> PK Darby Allen until he'd stayed down and he could drop a knee on his head. Yeah, vicious, vicious stuff. There was a couple of points in there where... Um, there was slightly off with a couple of things. There was a, there was a very audacious spot they planned and thought, well, we've planned it, so we're going to do it. Yes. Which I believe, I think, from what we could tell anyway, was maybe I was slightly fudged the first time, but then they went and repeated the spot. Now, normally, bit of a cardinal sin that, but the spot they were attempting to repeat was kind of Kyle O'Reilly driving Darby's head into the floor after that crazy dive that he does and locking mm. him in the hole and finishing him off and stuff like that. So, yeah, the beating that Darby Allen took was particularly... Vicious and nasty, and stop bleeding the mouth very early on, Darby. I don't yeah, um, so he was just destined to take a beat, and he seems to like doing that anyway. The weird, greasy little creep, but it was nice to see, but it was nice to see Kyle O'Reilly like really lock in what we've missed, I think, yeah. a little bit from him and AW. It was we're getting some of the the old Kyle back, and uh, by that, I don't mean cool Kyle, no. but it was cool to see Kyle and the Undisputed Elite. Getting W's everywhere when the young books could not. It feels like they were promoting. I think he might have had to take. A, and fair play to you. You won toilet break of a five and a half hour show while this was on. But Excalibur 
flashed up the graphic as he does. He only had the one match to talk about, and it was indeed the winners versus the losers, as we'll get to later on Jurassic Express with Christian Cage and the Hardys versus the Undisputed Elite and the Young Bucks on Dynamite on Wednesday. So it's Ooh. very much a night of, come on, guys, we'll drag you up. We'll get you back on your pedestal. And, you know, They're not can, all losers. Can they coexist? Mm. That is the question. Uh, AW Women's World Championship match came next. Thunder Rosa defending against Serena Deeb. Uh, they only seem to have remembered this feud in the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they were reminded why they should have thought more about it during this match. This was luxurious. That is, of course, if you like grisly violence in your pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> just a thoroughly worthy well worked world title match again the type of thing that on another AW paper perhaps in the wrong position might have been hung out to dry by as you say the, the terrible story on television but my word what a fight just the most gorgeous submission transitions as you would expect everything felt real everything felt snug there was a couple of points where you could just see they were so in it this is going to sound generous but they were so in it that Moments of hesitations or moments that would otherwise scan as maybe botchy were just instead the two of them trying to get their heads together and figure out what they were going to do next <laughs> yes. to try and win what felt like an incredibly real fight. At any point where, um, I guess like they might have lost the crowd, they were just immediately wheeled back in by both of them, clearly treating this as real as it got. Couldn't have loved this more. Yeah, really, really good stuff. And uh, Thunder Rosa retains the AEW Women's World title. Please give her more attention going forward, AEW. And just to sort of mirror this against the TBS title, maybe find a way to quickly transition Serena Deeb back into contention in the TBS division. Like Jade Cargill and the baddies will work wonders with her. Right, I've got to be careful not to swear here because I'll just be making more work for myself. We've got to talk about anarchy in the arena, which was quite rightly summed up by Justin Roberts just before it started as... Stuff's about to go, really hit the fan, basically. <laughs> um, this was Carnage. This had a song that played almost throughout it called Wild Thing, <laughs> which was very appropriate. Uh, and in summary, it's heading to blood and guts because the Jericho appreciation is like he got the win here because... Well, uh, Eddie Kingston ruined the thing for his team because he tried to set fire to Chris Jericho. I'm, I'm not the person to throw star ratings around because I'm simply not credible and I throw them around too liberally. <laughs> but I think if you could give a match like this five stars, this would be the one you would maybe point towards. This was so incredibly, and you mentioned Blood and Guts straight away, this was so incredibly effective at selling Blood and Guts because the idea was, look what happens when you let them out of a, con like a con I don't know. something constrained like a cage or like a ring, for example. They can simply, <laughs> everything goes far too wild. But credit to them all, because we see matches like this, not all the time, but we have seen matches like mm -hmm. this all the time. Matches have spilled out to the crowd, matches have used weapons, blah, 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 blah. And yet... To make it feel like it actually lived up to the title, Anarchy in the Arena took some doing, and mm. they did it. The sense in the ring towards the end, when everybody has bled and everybody has paid the price, as Ric Flair would say, that you looked at that ring and physically it looked a it looked <laughs> like the building had been torn to pieces. It's sort of imagine that if you pulled out of this shot and you looked sort of down at the arena, bits of it would have been on fire, yeah. or some of the wall would have been crumbling down. In the case of the merch stand, it absolutely was. Everything and everyone was smeared in blood and mustard. Never mind, <laughs> blood and guts. The uh, instantly iconic shot of Eddie Kingston walking to the ring, covered in blood and muck and detritus, holding a gas can with the face. I think I saw him compared on Twitter. I, I don't know who this was, and I do apologise if it was to us, but I think it was just to Twitter at large. To Trevor from Grand Theft Auto with the gas can yes. because of the white T-shirt and the show. bald head. Just a man with a purpose, and that purpose was to set Chris Jericho ablaze. 
Um, which fed great into the uh, miscommunication. Well, not miscommunication. Yeah, Danielson had him just ready to submit. You know, the, the lack of communication between the, uh, the baby faces, which of course ultimately led to their downfall. But, and this was important too, that allowing all of this bananas chaos to actually have like a thread of narrative logic is legitimately impressive as well. And for the third pay-per-view in a row, maybe four, but at my count, definitely third, AEW have delivered huge on the Chaos Multi-Man match. They are putting this on the card and they're asking you to trust that it will deliver. Yeah. And my word, did this one deliver. Yeah. Probably the best of the lot. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I get that this may well be divisive and some fans may not enjoy it, but for me, I did. I mm -hmm. thought this was exactly the, the shot of adrenaline that I needed during the night. Um, <laughs> there was... Spots with you know Santana and Ortiz sending uh, Daddy Magic and, and Cool Hand. Poor Cool Hand, and you could barely get out of the flipping oh, stands. Amazing. <laughs> Danielson just kept beating him down. Daddy Magic was pissing blood all over the place and Everywhere. getting covered in mustard, like you say. There was table spots. Moxley got knocked off the apron. He was meant to go through a table with barbed wire on it. He just sort of stuck to it, basically. Oh. Uh, and then the finish saw a Danielson, as I mentioned. He did have Jericho ready to submit. And then the petrol stuff got involved. And then in the end, Chris Jericho uh, was going to get murdered by, by Danielson. Then Hager comes in with the bat and just takes Danielson out of the knee. Uh, Jericho puts him in the walls of Jericho. And Hager uses the ring ropes. Well, the top top layer of top rope had been disconnected. Wraps that around Danielson and he... He doesn't submit. He just passes out, doesn't he? It was such. It was so pro wrestling in how theatrical the whole thing was. But the choice of the violence was always quite inspired. Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia getting lost fighting in a lift and getting lost. By the way, the cameras lost a lot, but it never took away. If anything, it kind of added to the yeah. carnage. You felt like you were in the building with them, and you, as WWE would say, your head needs to be on a swivel because exactly. you want to try and watch five things at once. And you, just like the cameraman, cannot. They were giving you replays of what they could. Really, really inspired presentation of an inspired idea. And great gear from the Jericho Appreciation Society, oh. which reminds me, we should mention Adam Cole's oh. gear. Oh my well. God! The and Thunder white. Roses, really like Thunder Roses as well. Thunder Roses was stunning and very meaningful to her. If you go look online, like she'll go into a bit more detail in ways that we can't and why that was so sort of powerful to her. Adam Cole is just stunningly beautiful. Both of Adam Cole and Britt Baker wore pink and black. They were, you know, dressing for the belts. They were about to win. Exactly. But Adam Cole's white jacket with the pink trunks. Goodness gracious <laughs> me! The uh, I was going to say the inner circle there, the Jericho Appreciation Society, decked out all in white. In Hager's case, downright to the gloves. Yeah, that she kept on throughout as Smart. well. Um, I would argue that we need less of this sort of thing on Dynamite, your lights outs and your no-hold yes. bars and your whatever. Yes. This, and in this context, was absolutely the place for it. Uh, right, penultimate match of the night was the uh, three-way for the uh, AEW World Tag Team Championships. Keith Lee and Swerve versus Team Taz, represented by Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks, who we really thought at one point were going to win the mm. titles. But in the end, Jurassic Express just just retaining those titles. Yeah, fair play to this one, you know, because they really, really got there from the most unenviable position on the card. We said that they'd been sent out to die. Oh, massively so. If this um, wasn't in place of the... Uh, well, this, if this wasn't where it was, I think the world title match's first five minutes would have really struggled. Yep. So instead, they were sent out there to kind of lose their first five minutes in order to hopefully win the crowd over for the final ten, final five, whatever, and they did. I thought this was a really impressive effort on behalf... on part of all six, really, because... Ultimately, what we had was a as run of the mill as a triple threat tag can be a run of the mill tag team match with the various sharing of the spots and the hot tags and the whatnot. And Jungle Boy absorbed a ton of punishment. <laughs> yeah, which he felt was going to feed into a finish where he fought and fought and fought and couldn't get it done. And then once we entered the high spot territory, 
everybody just deliriously got the sh in, including <laughs> including the personal highlight for me was um, seeing the massive bodies on the floor and Swerve almost like giving us the wink and the nod behind the other side of the camera before he springboarded off the post off Keith Lee's oh, body and onto other people before then the big guys got to put their own oh. stuff in, including Keith Lee doing that awesome kind of like rolling tope thing that he does <laughs> on just the, the massive bodies. Everybody got something, including even Christian Cage, who was uh, there to, like, he got thrown in the steps at one point, but he was there to make the save when it counted, which, again, gave you all the teases that he done all that he can and yet they're going to lose. But no, they retained. He puts Jungle Boy... Oh atop his shoulders in that fated electric chair position. I don't know if like regular listeners or viewers might know, but me and Adam Wilborn have forecast the exact day that Dominic Mysterio will do that to his own father, Ray. I won't share that tonight, but that day is coming. Yeah. And uh, Christian doing the same to Jungle Boy to give everybody that pang of anxiety only for him to gently place him down. Not tonight, because Jurassic's retained. Mm, main event time then, and CM Punk is your new AEW World champion this was an epic this was temptation for hangman page to potentially cheat to win uh this was a horrible attempt from Sam Punk at trying to hit page's Oi. finisher Oi. um but in the end what a way to send the fans home happy be still my beating heart that Sam punk has got it done tonight because i sank a couple of times when he went for that bookshot i still can't work out and i will be watching the match again tomorrow to find out if indeed he was trying to sell exhaustion or age or both or his wheels like he said he would wrestle until the wheels fall off they bids fall off twice when he <laughs> maybe that was part of the story who knows but he's so good he's so goddamn good at all of this that he kept people on the hook regardless hangman page was excellent as well he um they told the story that he injured his own knee going for the moonsault because he was too overzealous that was the story throughout he had punk had gotten in his head Page was so desperate to fight for the soul of AEW that appeared to be the story eventually that we got to here that what he believed was right was what was worth fighting for, but it was ultimately his undoing. His bad wheel cost him in the end. Uh, they told the Bret Hart Roddy Piper, should I do it with the belt as the referee was knocked down? He didn't do it, which was great because he's a baby face with morals, but CM Punk didn't cheat when the advantage was presented his way. It was a really slick reversal sequence that led to the match ending go to sleep. So you could argue that Hangman Page was hoisted by his own petard, but I think it was, if anything, his kind of like fighting spirit that undid mm. him, which is great because they're both baby faces. Neither man had to compromise their exactly. values on the night, which is just as intriguing going forward. We haven't got some sort of big twist. We didn't get the, I think both you and I thought the, the low blow was coming from Punk oh. when Page pulled up on his bad knee off the bookshop, but he didn't. Wrestling moves, wrestling won out. Wrestling indeed was the winner, as was CM Punk, who... Honestly, holding that title for the longest time felt like a Photoshop. He did, Because didn't we it? have seen so many versions of people <laughs> mocking that up that we cannot believe this day has come. Truly, genuinely emotional. They took something that could have been... They told a story that was quite difficult and quite intricate, and I thought they told it masterfully. Really, really loved this. No movie. forbidden door teasers, though. No, and, by that. and I was surprised, but... A little bit disappointed. I think that's gonna. there's going to be a little bit of that coming out of the show, but at the same time... Maybe the argument was give Punk his moment yeah, because that's fair this is as real to him as yes. anything else in the last seven years in his life. So why not end on that? I'll tell you what, anyone who predicted CM Punk returns to the wrestling ring must be feeling pretty pleased with themselves right about now. Eh? Uh, let us know your thoughts on this show in the comment section below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Plus, you can let us know your thoughts and Twitter questions for the news and everything like that on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Watch there, follow both of us. You can follow my 
Michael Hamflit's at? I've been up 24 and a half hours <laughs> at Michael Hamflit. Yeah, sorry if we've rambled a bit. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWE. But this has been AW Double or Nothing 2022. What went down? My thanks to Michael Hamflit. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.